0: Praise the Lord. I'm very excited, as I told you last week, about these, new, uh, these few upcoming weeks in which God has um, given me the vision for TCC and for those that follow us online um, for 2021. And early on, and I won't, I'm trying to move quickly, and every week that I, I'm going to do this four-week series, this is the second week of a four-week series, uh, I'm not going to try to re-preach last week's because that will put us here way after the, the roast burns. And I I don't want to do that, and I don't want you not coming to the last two weeks because you're saying, man, that preacher just preached the same sermon over and over again. So, but I do need to tell you what the Lord spoke to me, and those of you maybe that weren't here last year can go home this afternoon and get caught up on Facebook or YouTube and and watch last Sunday's sermon about back to basics and the four pillows of the, or the, the four building blocks, pillows, stones, pillars, stones, whatever, of the apostolic church. And uh, so the Lord spoke to me, um, and, and w- while I was praying, I said, Lord, um, you know, what, what What can I tell folks? What, what do I need to tell folks in 2021? This is some crazy and confusing time, and we went through some crazy and confusing times in 2020, and it hadn't gotten any better in 2021. If you think it has, well, then you are really, really, really are an optimist, amen? Uh, it's actually gotten worse. Things have gotten considerably worse since 20." 21 started, and that's the reality of it, and we're not going to play games with that and pretend that's not the reality. That is the case. And so, um, so I was praying, and the Lord gave me this, and the goal of, uh, of this four-week series is to help you set a course through these troubled and uncharted waters, a course that will lead you to sanity, safety, and salvation. Everybody say that with me. Sanity, safety, and salvation. I mean, it's felt like you, you're going to lose your mind the last year or so. Well, my wife's the only honest one in the house. Amen. Amen. I, or you had your hand up. I, I didn't see back here. You, know, you, you, know, you know, you get thrown out of a restaurant for not having a mask on or, or forget it or panic or you accidentally cough in H-E-B yeah, or sneeze. But heaven forbid should you sneeze. Uh, sneezing is absolutely against the law. In, in the social laws in, in and yeah, my wife never sneezed in her life and all of a sudden she started sneezing in the last uh, three or four months you know and I thought this is hilarious you know because I've never heard my wife sneeze I mean really I've, we we, we talked about the house it sounded like a, a cat getting caught in the air conditioned you know vent the other day and I'm like what in the world was that now I'm just trying to wake them up they're they're kind of a tired crowd today babe I'm sorry Whew, man I messed up there didn't I so w- w- you know, we need to stay sane, and we need to have direction. Everybody say direction. We need to have safety. Everybody say safety. Amen. And, and to safely go through this time that we're going to, and certainly, how many wants salvation? How many wants to know you're, where you're going to spend your eternity? So <clears throat> that is the goal of these four weeks of, of Back to Basics, and uh, last week we introduced that thought. Today we're speaking about Back to Basics Apostolic Doctrine. And the Lord basically told me, he said, uh, if we are going to get to where we need to go, we're going to have to go back to go forward. In Jeremiah, he said, thus saith the Lord, Jeremiah 6.16, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the way and see and ask for the old path and where is the good way and walk therein. And then he tells you what will happen if you do. And ye shall find rest for your soul. And the Lord told me that we don't need to find out or discover or invent or write a new process, anything new in 2021. We just need to go back to basics. So that's what we're going to do. And and, and as your pastor, your spiritual guide, I'm going to try to help you set a course for your life so that you can stay sane, Sister Melissa. Amen. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Amen. For us not to lose our mind and that we can stay safe and that we can stay secure in the arms and the grace of God for all of eternity. So we're going back to what got the apostolic church through persecution, through Roman persecution, through hardship, through dispersion. They they went from having the most beautiful temple on the planet, on on the Mount of Zion, to that, that thing being utterly destroyed. So they were kicked out of their building, if you will. They, they had no place to worship. That place that had become a bedrock and, and, and a point of stability was now gone. And so a lot of our lives, we feel that way. And uh, if we mimic and follow after the actions of the apostolic church, uh, it, we will stand any test of time and we will stand through any storm. This will work in any generation it will work in every nation I could be preaching the same four sermons in Burma in Kenya in middle Europe where I preached I could preach this same message in South America These same four messages and they'll work in any generation in every nation and in every situation and so we find those four building blocks in Acts chapter 2 in verse number 36 we don't want to rehearse all of this but I do want to read this and I know most of you are familiar with the Pentecostal church, and if you're familiar with the Pentecostal church, you're certainly familiar with Acts chapter two and verse number thirty-six. After Peter has just preached a lengthy message and told them that the Jesus whom they just crucified was God manifest in the flesh, and now is ascended in glory and set down in the position of authority for all of eternity. Now, therefore, let all the house of Israel know it assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked or convicted in their hearts and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, what should we do now that we feel this conviction? Peter said unto them with the other apostles to repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God should call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his words acted on those words and were baptized. The same day there were added unto them from 120 to Now 3,000 more souls. And they continued, and here's where we find the four building blocks, the four pillars, the four cornerstones, if you will, of the apostolic faith. This is where we find it. And, And when we talk about the apostolic faith, if you're new to this or you're listening online, that simply means that this is what the apostles preached, and the apostles were those 12 disciples that walked with Jesus, saved Judas, and soon to be Paul an apostle call out of due season but it's what they they preached and it's what they taught and it's how they lived. and so when we talk about the apostolic doctrine or the apostolic church we're talking about the original church when church as we know it got started on the day of Pentecost that's when this message is being preached and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine everybody say apostles doctrine Please help me. Everybody say Apostles Doctrine. Amen. Tough crowd today. We need a little Starbucks, I think, out here. Give them a double shot out here. They're a tough crowd today. Amen. Just kind of a little sleepy feeling in the house. Amen. And they continued steadfastly in the Apostles Doctrine. Everybody said that's number one. And in fellowship. And in breaking of bread. And in prayers. That's the four cornerstones, the four pillars, the four building blocks, whatever you want to call it, of the apostolic church. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at apostolic doctrine. Next week, we're going to look at apostolic prayer. And then finally, the final week of this, we're going to combine breaking of bread and fellowship, apostolic, breaking of bread and apostolic fellowship. We're going to talk about them in the same week because they're similar, but they are different and they fulfill different uh, uh, positions in your life. And when they continued in this apostolic doctrine, fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers, fear. Everybody say fear. I'm not going to re-preach last Sunday, but what you don't need. Somebody said, "Well, Lord, take all my fear away." And some and Danielle put it on Facebook. Fearness, and and I said it. Uh, fear, uh, fearlessness is next to foolishness. And I made that statement last Sunday, and and but it was out, It was completely. Correct, but I realized, you know what? I better put some content on that, amen? So I went back and pulled the scripture up and put it above your your uh, your post because I don't want you to take that out of context. Somebody said, pray my fear goes away. Well, that's ridiculous. If you had no fear, you'd step in front of a bus. You, 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 you respected the fact that if you step in front of a bus, it's gonna run you over. You, you, if you have no fear, you just get in your car and on the way home today, Brother Charles, just pushed the gas all the way to the floor and said, Man, pastor said, no fear, man. No fear here, man. Just hold it all the way down. Make it through those corners. Roar! You'd have that white Lincoln spinning in circles. Amen. No, we need to have a little fear. We need to have a little respect. We, we need to, and when we have godly fear, and, and instead of misplaced fear, then godly fear will always send us in the right direction. And that's what happened to them. And they had, and fear came upon every soul. That word there is respect also came upon every soul. And when you have all of the things they had and you have respect or fear, then it says, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to every man as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord And in the temple, in breaking bread from house to house, they did eat their meat with gladness and unified heart, singleness of heart. They praised God, and they had favor with all the people. And the Lord, everybody say the Lord, added to the church daily such as should be saved. You know, my wife and I have been talking about it. What we've been really um, encouraged with is how many people have been added to the church. Now, you can look around today and you see that the building's not full and that that does not encourage a pastor in times past we thought my goodness if the building's not full or if there's not parking lot's not full we feel like we're not doing a good job but now in the covid kind of world you don't know if somebody's in the hospital or a whole group of people are quarantined or whatever and so we're, we're just keeping the lights on and, and keeping the the fire of the holy ghost moving in our services and but what's been unique is how many people have been added to the church how many couples have been visiting the church how many people have been joining with us online even overseas and and, and we are making some contacts I, i'll even say this uh, not only contacts but thank you to our online presence out there to those that are watching us we we are getting contributions from people we've never met who are from other states and other places that have tapped into our ministry and tapped into what God is doing through the word of God and through the moving of the spirit that we have here in TCC and and want to bless that and keep that vision going and they're joining with that. It's been amazing. It's been the best part of this terrible situation that we've been in for the last year now almost. It'll be a year in March. Uh, But, uh, so we know that the Lord will add to the church. Now, uh, I'm trying to get to my sermon today, so I, I feel like I'm racing to get to my sermon because I'm using up a lot of valuable time on the front end, But it, and this is what I, I don't want to spend too much here, but I do want to, those four building blocks which we talked about are doctrine, prayer, breaking of bread, and fellowship. Now today, I'm going to give you the concept, everybody say, the concept of apostolic doctrine. What I'm not going to do today is do a Bible study on apostolic doctrine. Because I'm going to do that Thursday. So on, excuse me, Wednesday. Well, I'm getting old. We haven't had Thursday night service in several years now. <laughs> Amen. All right. Correct me. Help me out here. Amen. Wednesday nights, we are taking Sunday sermons for the next four, for last uh, week and the next three weeks. And we're going back on Wednesdays and we're diving deep. We're giving you scripture, stuff to write down, stuff to look at, stuff to, to read. Uh, stuff to research, stuff to challenge. If you hear me say something like, oh, I don't agree with that, well, then go into the Word, dig it out, and, 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 and text me or private message me. Private message me. Don't public message me, private message me. You know, come, Pastor, I don't get that. Amen. Well, We will talk about it. I'd love to talk about it with you. Okay, so that's what we're going to do on Wednesday night. But today we're going to give you the outline and the concept of that. And then we're going to give you the scriptures that support this apostolic doctrine. And now, uh, so today, the the, the cornerstone that we're talking about, the pillar is is apostolic doctrine. And we'll go back to the basics of the apostolic church, which is apostolic doctrine. Now, everybody go, everybody say, breathe, pastor. That's what I hear my wife saying. Stop, slow down, take a breath. Amen. I can hear you saying it in my brain. Thank you, baby. Cleansing. Here we go. Now, we're today's sermon. Apostolic doctrine. The book of Acts that we're reading from, or the letter of Acts, was written by Luke. Luke is a historian that writes the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many, how many knows the gospel of Luke? The Luke, gospel of Jesus Christ written by Luke. Everybody know that? And he writes that about 30 years after the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. So he's a historian collecting all of this information immediately after writing the book of Luke or the letter written by Luke of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the the story, the biography of Jesus Christ from his historical and his collective viewpoint as a a Gentile coming to God, he says, okay, now I'm going to write uh, another letter, a historical account of the of the church so he flows right in from the book of Luke if you want to do something fun this week uh, while you're at home read the book of Luke read it in a, a, a light translation if you will New Living Version is good uh, uh, it, just read it in the light you're, you know if you're just reading it read all through the book of Luke and then don't stop and go right into Acts 1 and 1 and you'll see it flows o Theophilus, I've written to you already another letter now I'm writing to you The he's written the, the biography of Jesus Christ 30 years after Jesus's death and now he's writing the history of the church 30 years after the church was founded on the day of Pentecost. Some say 28, some say 31. We're going to just say 30 because who knows, you know? Uh, and, and we're going to get it close. So 28 to 30 years is where this letter is written. So after he looks at this, at the church and all of its, um, all of the collective view this is the synopsis of what he sees as a historian well who made you luke his name is jesus who called you to write that luke well the bible said holy men of old wrote about these things as they were moved on by the holy ghost and luke has the responsibility moved on by the holy ghost to write the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that biography called Luke, we call it Luke in our Bible, one of those gospels, and then he moves right into the Acts of the Apostles. So this is a historical view of his gathering of information, and he says, I want you to see something. And he, he rehearses everything that Peter and them says. He gathers all that information 30 years later because everybody had been talking about it before then. You realize that on the day of Pentecost, they didn't have CNN or Fox News or any of that. They didn't have any kind of written literature. They didn't have Pentecostal publishing house. They had nothing. They just came out of an upper room, speaking in other tongues, not drunk as you suppose, but this is that spoken of by the prophet Joel. And boom, they start this movement, this infilling of the Holy Spirit starts there, 120, 3,000 before the sun sets, 5,000 the next day. This thing is explosive and it just begins to explode. It keeps exploding. And so you got Luke writing about how did this apostolic church change the world? How, how did they get to where Paul is at this time is, is on his way to Rome and, and even going to be preaching to Caesar's household? And so it's a pretty unique approach to how we look at church. And when you understand that, you will understand some things. So he said... First off, the Bible said they repent, be baptized. We'll talk about those under the, under the foundation, but there's an attitude, everybody say an attitude, in which you should approach the apostolic church. Please hear me. It is not enough to just come to church and check the box. This is not any other type of church. If you just came here today, to say that you were in church, you're dismissed. You've been here, check the box, we'll see you next Sunday. But there's an attitude that you're supposed to have if you're a member of of the apostolic church. And it's found in that verse where it says, and they continued, verse 42, chapter 2, verse 42 of Acts, and they continued steadfastly. Now, we are not, we're not got the apostolic doctrine, prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread yet. Get, there's an attitude, Brother Smith, there's an attitude that you got to have if you're going to be an apostolic. They continued steadfastly. Everybody say it with me. Continued steadfastly. That is the attitude of an apostolic. First off, the word continue is like someone who starts on a journey and it ain't over till we get there I'm sorry we had a flat tire on the way we're still on the journey I'm sorry we got lost along the way it doesn't matter I'm going to continue on the journey I'm sorry there was a storm called covid 19 showed up along the way I'm sorry I'm an apostolic I'm not gonna. are you gonna help me I know I'm teaching a little bit and I know it's just visionary and. this you got to get into this if you, I mean this at, attitude is it doesn't matter what I tell you about the doctrine in a minute it doesn't t- matter if you don't have the right attitude about being an apostolic I don't care if I get cancer I don't care if I go through a divorce I don't care what happens in my life I don't care what happens in my health my wealth my mind my money I don't care I am an apostolic do I have any apostolics in the house I started on this journey Amen. When God delivered me from drugs, uh, methamphetamine, and he delivered me from alcohol as a freshman at Texas A&M, I started on that journey that day. And I have not gotten off my journey since. I have gotten lost along the way. I have blown a few engines along the way. I've had some blowouts, uh, some missteps, and and, and some bad turns. Uh, But I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I'm still continuing after the mark uh, that the Lord has set before me, which is the prize of eternity with him. So it's a journey. Somebody say a lifetime pursuit. You will not get there until you quit here. So it don't matter how old you get, it don't matter what all you've done seen, there's still some scenery you hadn't come across. You can be in 97 and seen everything, but you didn't see COVID. Look out the window. Get a good look at it. This is a brand new world. And on this journey, if we're going to have sanity, safety, and salvation, we had better go back with the same apostolic attitude that they had then that said, I'm going to continue steadfastly. Amen. Everybody say, continue. Now, you could get away with just saying, Continue. But the writer does not stop with that. He tells you not only what the path you should take, you should continue on the journey, but he tells you how to continue on the journey. Everybody say, steadfastly. It's easily summed up. If you're listening here, we can move beyond this point and we can get the apostolic doctrine and we can start giving you the overlay. Are you ready? Continue steadfastly. Here we go. Steadfastly is the first commandment of all the commandments that the Lord gave, which is love The Lord thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Say it with me. The first commandment is this. Love the Lord thy God. Say it with me. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy passion, soul, and with all thy strength, abilities. Somebody hold up your wallet. Just Carolyn, hold up your purse. My God, hold up that heavy purse. Look at the money in that thing. That's your power, with your strength. Your money's not your money, it's his money. If you don't believe that, just die and see if you can take it with you. Somebody else will be playing with your money when you're gone. So you better determine what you're going to do with it while you got it in your control. So when you, they continued steadfastly. They stayed on the journey, and they said, we're going to do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everybody understand that? So this is the apostolic attitude that you have to approach Apostolic doctrine with, that you have to approach apostolic prayer with, that you have to approach apostolic fellowship with, and apostolic breaking of bread. Oh, I can't wait to preach this part on apostolic fellowship because there's some people that you don't like to be around. You'll come back the third week for that one, won't you? Steadfastly, you have to. You know, oh, okay. We'll, we'll go on. Okay. So, we look at the apostolic attitude in which to apost- pursue apostolic doctrine. Now, there again, I'm telling you, this is simply an overview of the concepts. I'm, if there are those of you taking notes and you like notes, I'm going to give seven points, and I'm going to try to do it. And those of you that know how I preach are going, oh, my God, seven. He normally does three. We're in, my wife, is, we're starting our fast now, honey. Amen. At least till 2 o'clock now. I'm going to try to move as carefully and quickly as possible so that you understand the concepts. And we're going to come back on Wednesday night and give you the scriptures that back up every single one of these concepts. Is that okay? And if you're not able to be here on Wednesday night, uh, then please join us online. And if you are able to be here on Wednesday night, then don't join us online. Be here. It encourages your brother or your sister. You're going to hear that in lesson number three, week number four, uh, when we talk about fellowship and breaking of bread. So uh, I'm just giving you a little heads up so you don't get caught guilty on the last... Sunday okay all right so apostolic doctrine Jesus the number one thing you need to write down right now the first thing I want you to understand before you get to anything else water baptism or anything else is that Jesus was God in the flesh if you're going to be sane if you're going to be safe and you're going to have salvation you better get the number hero Israel the Lord our God is one Lord. And there was without controversy, we'll give you the scriptures on Wednesday, without controversy, when they spoke of Jesus, they spoke of the God of the Old Testament that had never been seen by human eyes becoming Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. They knew absolutely that that one God of Deuteronomy 6 and 4 that one Lord one faith one baptism one God they knew assuredly that Jesus was God in a human form if you want to be an apostolic and you want to follow apostolic doctrine that's going to make you safe sane and give you eternal security you'd better understand that you were serving the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob who robed himself in flesh everybody said that's number one number two that this is the second thing that they realized of Peter's preaching this message Luke is writing it down 30 years later and he's saying this apostolic doctrine I want you to understand they continued steadfastly in the apostolic doctrine they knew Jesus was God in the flesh then they took a look at his death, burial, and resurrection. How many Pentecostals have ever heard that said before? Death, burial, and resurrection. Say it real fast. Roll off your tongue like you did when Bible quizzes. Death, burial, and resurrection. Death, burial. Oh, we believe in death, burial, and resurrection. Now, if you've not been in church long, you're going, what, 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 what? They're talking about somebody die and somebody's funeral and what what, 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 You see, we just roll through that stuff. But you've got to stand at the foot of a bloody cross and listen to the cries of a screaming Jesus as he has been beaten and his beard's been torn from his face. He hangs naked, suspended between earth and heaven and he screams, Father, why have you forsaken me? Then you'll take another look at death. And then your leader, your, the foundation of your faith is now no longer among you and you've, gotta, you've got to take that God in the flesh that you saw walk on water and you've got to pull the nails out of the tree to release him from the cross. Now, check your faith. What's that going to do to you? And now you've got to try to figure out how to bury somebody that you hadn't bought an insurance plan for or a burial plan for because all he ever talked about was eternity. So never mind he didn't buy a burial policy and he didn't have a grave tone and he didn't have a plan for death uh, like you and I have a plan. So you got to scramble around trying to raise enough money to put your friend Jesus, your teacher Jesus, your pastor Jesus, your, your bishop Jesus, your, your prophet Jesus in a tomb. So what does he do? He goes and they search around and they find a tomb. Somebody loaned them a tomb. A borrowed tomb. And a lot is made of that, that he, he didn't buy one because he knew he wasn't going to need it long and all of that. Kind of, that's jokes for 2021, 20, for this century, this age. Uh, but in those days, that was not a joking matter at all. There was no joke to that. He didn't borrow one because he couldn't afford to buy one, didn't use one because he was on. When they put him in that tomb and they rolled it away, they had heard him say, you can tear it down and I'll raise it up in three days, but they didn't get it. They were shocked and astonished. And the men wasn't even going first, it was the women. went on the third day and they didn't go to see a risen savior read your bible they went to put flowers on the grave it's in your bible and when they saw him they perceived him to be the gardener That, that where's your faith now so now they see the picture of the death the burial and jesus is alive and then he teaches them for 40 days and after 40 days after they've had this just amazing time of him opening the scripture to them for 40 days, and they're excited and everything else, he says, now I'm, I've got I've to go. Well, wait, 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 wait. You just died. We saw it. You rose from the grave. We are here to witness. We're eyewitnesses of it. And you have been teaching us, and we have been sharing the word, and you've been opening the scripture, understanding for the last 40 days. And where are you going now? He said, oh, I'll go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. He said, I have to go away so the other comforter can come. If I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can't come, and if it can't come, then you can't go to where I'm at, I've got to go away." And so they stood there looking into the heavens with their mouth open, going, "He's left us again." And the angels come, tap them on the shoulder, if you will, wake them up and say, "You men of Galilee, you big big babies, if you will, these raw-boned fishermen, these men of Galilee, these strong men. Why stand you gazing in the air we're going to give you the scripture why stand you gazing in the air this same Jesus you saw go away is going to come back in like manner the same way he went away he's coming back don't be shook up just go do what he said to do or emphasis just go do what he said to do 2021 TCC, just go do what he. You're getting it. That's the secret to sanity, safety, and salvation. Just go do what he said to do. Okay, what did he say to do? I'm glad you asked, because that's what they did. They went to the upper room, and they begin to pray and wait. Now, that waiting's like, hmm, hmm, no. Waiting like anticipation. You, you know, I heard somebody in the church just last week won uh, the uh, $3 million lottery. I don't know if you know that or not. They hadn't got their check yet, but they won the, the uh, $3 million. Y'all hadn't heard about that? Somebody in the church run the $3 million scratch off, and they hadn't got the money yet, but they're waiting for it. Now, I'm lying to you. Nobody won, and if they did, you better pay tithes on it. But could you imagine if you had and you were waiting for that check to come in the mail? Some of y'all just waiting on your income tax return. I'm talking about eternity, man. I'm talking about the promise of the Father. I'm talking about a better comforter than a Christ that can walk on water. I'm talking about, oh, come on, I'm talking about better works than, than these that you've seen are coming down the road. He said, you go into that upper room and you wait until you receive this better promise than you've seen already. They weren't sitting around going, oh, well, wonder." I they were going, oh, my God, what is it he's talking about? They were praying, they were singing, they were anticipating, they were looking for it. And if you're here today and you've never received the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, you need to get that attitude I don't know what he's talking about I don't understand all of it I'm not sure uh, how much of it I can buy into right now but I want what he said I want the promise of the Father I want that blessing I want that anointing that comforter so that was the attitude in which they approached those ten days prior to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost from his death to The day of Pentecost is 50 days to feast in Israel. And and so in that nine-day, nine-and-a-half-day period, rounded off, let's call it 10, from 40 days of his teaching, 10 days in the upper room waiting, realizing that his death, his burial in that borrowed tomb, his resurrection into the skies, purchased my sin? How many times do you think Simon Peter heard that? Oh, Lord, all these other guys will betray you, but me, not me. I'm Simon Peter. I'm, I'm bad to the bone. Uh-uh. Nobody else is like me. Uh-uh. These other guys are going to forsake you. And he looked at him and he said, Simon, get thee behind me. He said, before that rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me. How many times in those 10 days do you think Simon Peter rehearsed that? oh my God, he, he, uh, I betrayed him, I lied, I, did, I, 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 I blasphemed him, if you will. I said I didn't know him. Even a little lad came up, a little girl came up, and, and, and I ran away and I said, get out of here, cursed and left, and said I didn't know him. And there in that upper room, realizing that Jesus' death, his burial and his ascension into heaven purchased my sins. Would anybody volunteer your worst moment as as a sin today that I can talk about? Would you please stand and come whisper in my ear the most evil thing you've ever done? Let me preach on it for about three minutes online to the entire world. Something your wife doesn't know about or your husband doesn't know about. Something you did before you had your family and you're ashamed of. Can you let me preach on you for a few minutes? Now take another look at the cross. He bought that sin. wrote a blank check for so that need not be exposed on a Sunday morning or even in the white throne judgment before eternity that the blood of Jesus Christ covered literally wrote the check for my stupid self for every evil thing I'd ever done that is the apostolic message of the death burial and resurrection that Jesus Christ that's it clap your hands I love it thank you Jerome amen that Jesus Christ did that for me Not only did he purchase my sins, but with his death, burial, and resurrection, he gave me a plan for salvation. So he he wrote the check to get me out of trouble. And he kept writing the check with his precious blood to keep me for all of eternity out of trouble. How many people understand what I'm talking about now? Staying out of hell. He said, it's not the will of God that any should perish, but it's the will of God that all should come to repentance. He wanted everybody to come to the understanding that it was his blood that purchased your sins so that you could have salvation with him. Amen. So, Jesus was God in the flesh. His death, burial, and resurrection, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to talk more about this Wednesday night. He purchased our sins, and he purchased our salvation. The third thing you need to understand, the apostolic church absolutely knew absolutely new. was if we're going to accept this work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we must repent. Everybody say repent. Please stay with me. We must repent. We must be baptized. Say it with me. We must be baptized. And we must accept the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay. If we're going to accept If his death is going to be worth it if it's going to be worth it for me if what he did for me is going to be worth it then I have to do something to accept it the very first thing please hear me and I feel like somebody listening online needs to hear me I'm I'm walking in the gifts of the spirit right now and 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 I mean this in the Holy Ghost I don't play these games you can go back and pull my videos and tapes I don't do this often But I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I feel like you're you're worshiping with us online right now. And I need to say something to you. It is time that you take personal responsibility for your sin. Quit blaming somebody else. Quit blaming the fact you were raised in a single home. Quit blaming the fact that somebody did this to me when I was a child, and that's the reason I'm the way I am today. Peter preached to them the most. Sca- I'm, I'm feeling I can't move on right now. It's not your wife's fault, sir. I'm not just preaching to the camera now. I'm preaching to somebody in here. Quit blaming her, ma'am. Quit blaming him. You will do good to conquer your own sin. Rather than be confused with somebody else's all have sinned and come short of the glory of God I'm in the Holy Ghost right now this is out of notes but I'm moving in the spirit at this point all have sinned and come short of the glory of God you got enough homework with you quit trying to fix other people just deal with your sin baby just deal with your secrets come on you want to come whisper in my ear how bad you are you want me to display it display it up here on this screen For the whole world to see all of your bad self, your bad decisions, your bad moments. Quit trying to explain why you had an affair and confess it before Jesus Christ that I am a sinner and I gave into my base needs and I gave into my adulterous flesh. Quit trying to justify why you broke into those people's houses, stole that stuff and nobody's ever figured it out or told about it. Nobody knows that it was you that did it. Jesus knows, and it's time you quit burying that junk, and it's time you start owning that stuff. Peter preached to them the most scathing message. You wouldn't even stand for it if I started preaching like Peter did on that day. He looked them in eyeball to eyeball, and he said, "You killed Jesus, and you didn't. You didn't. We managed to get your hands dirty. You made the Romans do it, and you." He preached to them, and he said, not only did you crucify him, he said, but you crucified him who God made both Lord and Savior. You didn't just kill a man. You killed the messenger. You didn't just kill a man. You killed the plan. Oh, listen now. And when he got through preaching, to them how wretched, wretched of a sinner they were and how guilty they are. They were, they were pricked. They were convicted in their heart. If you don't confess your sins, you cannot be convicted of your sins. Put that on Facebook, Danielle. If you don't confess your sins, you cannot be conviction for your sins. You cannot be convicted of them. You must confess that I'm a liar. You must confess that I like to talk about people. I like to stir stuff up. You must confess that I like to sneak around and keep stuff going. I'm in the Holy Ghost, people. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I'm preaching to somebody. And you got to own, if you're going to be an apostolic, you got to own your own sin. you got to own it. you got to quit trying to make everybody else better and just do the best you can with your old stinking rotten flesh. Get up in the mirror and put a little perfume on and hope nobody else can tell how rotten you are on the inside. What's your deepest, darkest? I feel in the Holy Ghost, I ain't got nowhere near supposed to go this deep in this point. But the Holy Ghost won't let me off this point until you own your own sin, you will never feel conviction of it. As long as you're blaming it on somebody else, you're blaming it on her, she's blaming it on you, it ain't your problem. You don't feel a bit of conviction. I can tell you why I did what I did. Yeah, I went out on the town on Friday night. Yeah, I, I spent all of her money on this. If you were married to her, you would too. You ain't going to feel convicted of that. You're going to feel convinced of that. That that's what I should do. That's why I should have done it. But you need to look at yourself and say, Man, if it hadn't been for the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm going to go straight to hell and do not pass go and do not collect $200. I am not going to be saved because I have a base nature that will destroy me. That is, Paul said, in me there is no good thing. And there ain't no good thing in you either. And once we start knowing that, then we can get to repentance. Now watch this. Here's the beauty of conviction. Please change gears with me. Here's the beauty of conviction. The moment you feel conviction, you get hungry for repentance. You want change. The moment you look at yourself like you are, you go, Oh God, oh wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of destruction? Those are not my words, those are Paul's. But thanks be unto God, the man Christ Jesus is my advocate. His blood. When I begin to see who I am, then I begin to be convicted of who I am. And when I am convicted of who I am, it drives a desire into me to want to change to who I need to be. And that's the definition of repentance. Can you say praise the Lord? So the apostolic church knew all about repentance, except in their sin. They knew about baptism. Baptism is an easy subject. I like Google. Everybody say Google. Years ago, I preached a, a series called "Google the Gospel." How many of you know? How many of you remember? Somebody over here remember? There's some hands up. Okay, remember? Got uh, "Google the Gospel." I'll just tell you this: I love the gospel because the gospel is googlable. Did I even say that right? The gospel is googlable. Made a word. I like that, boy. I made a word. the Texanese. Go home. Not right now. I'm finishing. Be here Wednesday night. I'll show you. You can Google it in live time during service. How was the Apostolic Church baptized? Hit sin on Google. It will tell you they were submerged in water, usually running water, and they spoke the name of Jesus or the name of the Lord Jesus over them. However, in 325, the Catholic Church joined with Constantine, the Roman uh, emperor, and they changed baptism to the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We don't even need much Bible to tell you that there's no other name given unto men under, men under heaven whereby men can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Do all in word and deed. They didn't do any other thing for 300 years other than baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that. If you're an apostolic Pentecostal, you need to understand that. You need to stand on that not be ashamed of that. If someone else is baptized in another formula, you don't need to condemn them, judge them, or anything else, but lead them to the Scripture and lead them to Christ in a prayer of understanding so that they can see and accept that work in their life also. Apostolic were baptized in Jesus' name. And when they were baptized, they accepted speaking in strange tongues. I got a lot of people. I had a man in particular told me one time, he said, Preacher, I'd get that Holy Ghost, but I don't want to talk in them tongues. He said, them things scare me. Well, they kind of scare me too. Somebody said, how do you do that? I don't know if I knew I'd write a book and I met a fellow one time who wrote a book on how to speak in tongues he said just start saying and I threw the book away (laughs) because it ain't in the book because what the book says when you accept the work of the cross you will be filled with the Holy Spirit of God He will come into your life to stay for eternity. He will join his spirit with your spirit, and you will know when it happened because there will be this strange, supernatural, unexplainable, but undeniable event happen to you, and you will begin to speak in a language you've never learned as a child, and to the glory of God, you will do it. I have no idea how God creates it in your brain. I don't know how it works. I don't know anything else. I just know it happened to me. I cannot explain how it happened. I just cannot deny that it did happen. I don't know how I speak in tongues. All I know is that even today, as I begin to pray in tongues and to speak in tongues up here, I was just worshiping God and I was praising God and I felt an overwhelming presence of His Spirit and those tongues began to come on me. I'm talking about an apostolic church. We're going to go deep on this on Wednesday night. They began to receive the Holy Ghost immediately on that day and they knew they received it from that day and that day forward, because they spoke in other tongues. Next thing is separation. Everybody say separation. Let's do another thing with me. Can you do this with me real quick? And I know I'm out of time. I'm running out of time. And so I'm on, I'm on five, and I've got three more to go. So we, we've got to hurry, okay? Everybody say separation. Now say another word with me. Say a really churchy church word. Are you ready? Say holiness. Somehow or another, holiness has got a bad name. Somehow or another, if you get labeled as a holiness Pentecostal, people look down their nose at you like you lost something or like you're being deprived of something. Can I tell you that holiness means set apart unto God? That's all it means. And when I do things or acts of holiness, okay, then it just means I'm setting that apart. I'm abstaining from some things because I'm setting that apart unto God. Or I'm doing some things like tithing or fasting or some other things. I'm doing some things because I'm setting that apart unto God. That's what the term holiness is all about. I get it, that modern day argument. Oh, you bunch of holiness and this and that. And, that. and I understand that the, the, the apostolic church has had a tendency, a strong tendency to be judgmental and to look across the aisle and compare this person to that person. I know where the classic debate exists, but it's time, are you listening out there and in here, it's time we take the scourge off of the word holiness. Holiness is not a bad word. It's not a shame. It's not an embarrassment. It's not a first grader term. As a matter of fact, without peace and holiness, you will not see God you will not talking about sanity we're talking about salvation we're talking about safety holiness is going to keep you out of trouble you want to stay safe I remember I I can't go long I remember when the AIDS epidemic started in America today I was a young person coming of age in the 70's when age came on the scene. I remember when it took over the, 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 the young people of the world and started in the homosexual uh, environment and then moved out into a heterosexual environment. And I can remember growing up as an adolescent teen and as a young person, even towards college, where, you know, even if you were in the world and you were thinking about sex outside of marriage, you always had to think about age. Anybody else grow up in that age group, you know what I'm talking about, that mindset. And when you, and when you start looking at that, there is a very simple way not to get AIDS. And this is what we used to preach as young people. as We were youth pastors in this church 32, 35 years ago, whatever it was. And this is what we'd preach to our young people. If you don't want to get AIDS, abstain from sex prior to marriage. Let's give you a biblical term for that. Do not fornicate. It's in the book. Because all fornicators will have their place in the lake of fire. Somebody said, well, I'm burning in hell because I did. Fornicators are a people that lives a lifestyle of fornicating, not someone that fornicated once in their life. So let's get it right. You don't want to get AIDS back in the AIDS epidemic. You want to stay safe. Just have sex with your wife who you know is clean, clean and pure because you married a virtuous woman like the Bible tells you to marry. And if you didn't pray the blood of Jesus Christ over your life and her life, if you weren't pl- pl- clean before you came to Christ and virtuous before you came to Christ, and God can wash you and regenerate you and make you new and make you whole. I'm t- I told you we ain't doing nothing new. This is old-fashioned preaching. This is back to basics. If you want to stay sane, if you want to stay safe, and you want to stay saved, get back to basics. Don't fornicate. Don't be a drunkard. Don't be an adulterer. Don't do those things. Oh, there he goes. I knew he was one of them holiness preachers. Well, call me whatever you want to call me. That's what your Bible and every Bible that has ever been printed says. You want to live in guilt? Go ahead and play around with that mess. You want to live in guilt, shame, and embarrassment? Go ahead and play around with that. Hiding, sneaking around. Holy is just set apart unto God. And, and, and let me tell you about holiness there ain't nobody holy. The only one's holy is the Holy Spirit. And I'm trying to be more like Him. You understand that? There's not one person here. If, if we could read Sister Patsy's mind, oh, my God, what she thinks about them wild men. Now, for those out there, my wife's going to kill me for picking on Patsy. But Sister Patsy is my go-to gal. Sister Patsy is 196, and she's still looking for a husband. That's for online people. Sister Patsy, I love you. Thank you for being, letting me be your pastor and playing those crazy games with you. Sister Patsy said, she told me years ago, uh, literally, when, when I first started pastoring years ago, I said, Sister Patsy, I'm going to pray for God to find you a husband. She said, oh, Pastor, no, no, no. I'm, I'm through with men. <laughs> she said, I'm done. <laughs> so ever since then, I've been trying to find her a husband. If we have this little thing going. But we all have dark secrets in our mind. Now, y'all are not going to look at Sister Patsy the same again. If you want to know Brother Hayes' sin over here, he's an old man, but he, he, he has visions of bluebells. Just gallons of Bluebell. I mean, till his diabetes just blows the top, top of his head off. I mean, we all got something. We all got something. My wife said, focus, focus. Get back on the sermon. Get back in the notes. We all got something. We need to separate from, come on, help me now. Help me get finished with a sermon. We all got something we need to set apart unto God. We all got some flesh we need to cut off. We need the spiritual circumcision of the heart, the cutting away of the fleshly nature so that we become marked by God. I'll talk about that a little bit more on Wednesday night. Holiness is not a bad word. It simply means to be separated from worldly things. What is worldly things? Worldly things are anything that are not pleasing to God. If you cannot tell the difference, and I'm not talking about with your eyeballs. I'm talking about if you cannot tell the difference in a Christian or a non-Christian, there is no holiness there. I'm not talking about wardrobe. I'm talking about tell the difference. If you cannot tell the difference, there is no holiness in that person's life. And the apostolic church was absolutely holy. They came out from the world and were separated from things. The next thing is we are to possess and practice the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say possess and practice the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that in addition to prayer next week. But I'm going to tell you this. These signs shall follow them that believe. What does it say? They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall lay hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover pastor can you come to the hospital and pray for me pastor don't need to come to the hospital and pray for you i'm not trying to get out of hospital duty we go to the hospital i go to the hospital pray for people i've gone during COVID. i'll go after COVID. in the middle of COVID, it ain't about that this is the way the bible is you don't need a pastor to pray for you you need somebody strong in faith an elder to pray for you an elder is not an old person it's somebody who is strong in faith you need them to lay hands on you and i promise you you become an elder real quick When your two-year-old little girl gets a 106 degree temperature at 3 a.m. in the morning. You need to lay your hands on them, rebuke the spirit of sickness, and pray the prayer of faith and, and hold Jesus to his word and hold that Roman centurion to those 39 stripes he took for their healing and say, by his words and his work, I speak healing into this child. We are to possess And we are to practice spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts come when you get infilled with the Holy Ghost. He gives us unique gifts. And the only person that has all of the gifts are the pastor. And the lead pastor. You ever heard me sing? They turned me down today when I started singing. Shame on y'all back there. They've been instructed by my wife. When he goes to sing and shut him down. Man, I can't even sing much less have all the gifts. Pastors don't get all the gifts. Nobody gets all the gifts. I'm just working with the two or three I got. And I'm thankful for the two or three I got. But if you will work with the two or three you got, he'll give you some more. And he'll put some more on you. And if you will use what you have. And if you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have spiritual gifts. We're going to talk more about that on Wednesday night. Next, we are to look Y'all ready? Come on. Give them hope. I'm, I'm, I'm sliding them in home right now. We are to look and prepare for Jesus' imminent return. Okay. Everybody take a cleansing breath. Sorbet of the mind and uh, the words. Everybody deep, in breath. Okay. Shake your head like that. Shake your head. Okay. What was he talking about again? This sermon's going on kind of long. Let's see. Oh, that's right. We're talking about back to basics because we're living in a crazy world. Come on, stay with me. We're talking about back to basics because we're living in a crazy world. He said something in the beginning about staying sane, safe, and eternal salvation. I remember that, okay. All right, and then, oh yeah, there's those four building blocks of the apostolic church. And if we're going to stay sane, safe, and saved, we've got to have those four building blocks in our life. That's what he's talking about, okay. And this Sunday, we're talking about apostolic doctrine, which is the first and equal cornerstone to the apostolic faith, okay? And he's wrapping it up on apostolic faith. Everybody understand what we're talking about today? Everybody understand what we're talking about today? And if we will do these things, it works in every situation, it works in every generation, and it will work in every nation. It always has worked, it always will work. It doesn't matter if COVID comes in. It doesn't matter what the new thing is that's coming in. This will work. It doesn't matter if we get a new strand or a new president. This works. We are to look and prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you how to be lost? I'm going to tell you, if you want to go to hell, how to go to hell. Bet you hadn't heard many preachers teach on that. Had you you want to know how to go to hell? Quit looking for heaven. Get your eyes on the world, get your eyes off of the streets of gold, get your eyes off of eternity and start living for time. Looking around this way, you'll go to hell. But anybody that's got their eyes lifted up. Wakes up in the morning and goes, I wonder if this could be the day. i oh, yeah, I love this. I wonder if this could be the day. Somebody say that right now. I don't want to go to hell. I, I, I want to have my eyes fixed on heaven. I don't want a preacher to have to tell me to think about heaven. I just want to understand that this ain't it pain, the suffering, the sickness, the sorrow I'm going through. Paul said, if I had hope in Christ in this life only, I would be of all men most miserable. This world is not my home. That's how that they could sing praises unto God while they were lighting the fires under their feet. And they became the human torches for Nero's garden. And instead of cursing God and saying, why is this happening to me? They just had their eyes on heaven and not on their feet. They had their eyes on the heavenly father and not on the flames. Uh, They just said, you just lit the fire to send me to my mansion on the other side. And when you get that kind of mindset, it will keep you sane in a crazy world. It'll keep you sane when your son is killed in a car wreck. Your husband dies of a disease or a cancer you can't even explain. COVID strikes one and kills them and Another never knows they have it. And you get confused. Oh, no, I'm not confused. I, this ain't heaven. This ain't heaven. My eyes are on a prize. And it's an eternal home and a place where there's no weeping and no sorrow and no sadness. That's what the apostolic church focused on. the final thing of apostolic doctrine today that I want to discuss with you is this is your reasonable responsibility. I know you're ready to go because I feel you getting anxious. I feel you getting anxious. I know some have already tuned me out and some have already talked to somebody on text right now. But it's the least you can do. You see, if I had continued, continued, and I can only preach my story because if I preach yours, you'll sue me or you won't come back because you'll be embarrassed. So I talk about myself because you won't let me talk about you. But if I had continued on the pathway that I had chosen as a 15-year-old, I would have never met and married my precious wife. I was on a pathway of death and destruction bound by methamphetamine and controlled by alcohol. I was a mess and I was a horrible human being. Another preacher's kid on the way to hell. Jesus found me. It was on a Wednesday afternoon when I wasn't looking for him. I'd just gone to a youth camp, probably almost too old to go as a freshman in college Who goes to youth camp as a freshman in college? Well, I can tell you who. Somebody that my friend convinced me, let's go chase the girls and let's go play softball. And so that's why I went. The last thing I said to him is I'm not praying through. I can't live the life my mother and dad lived. I've tried it and I can't do it. That was the last thing I said before I agreed to go to that youth camp. And on Wednesday afternoon, when I wasn't looking for him, I was ambushed by God. And the love of Jesus Christ wrapped His arms around me while I had 320 hits of pharmaceutical-grade methamphetamine the, under the front seat of my car, two cases of Coors Light iced down in the back of my car at a Pentecostal camp meeting. You can Jesus Christ still loved me. I think I'm proud of that? If I told you really who I was, you wouldn't let me preach to you next Sunday. If I told you really what God saved me from, you'd never look at me the same way again but I know what he did for me. And it's the least I can do is to tell you how much he loved me. It's my reasonable responsibility to share the good news with you that if he loved me that much, he loves you that much. He loves your children that much. Can we stand? It's the least we can do as apostolic Pentecostals is to share the good news jesus purchased my sin he gave me a pathway to salvation he gave me help and hope through the holy spirit until we get there somebody in this place get a hold of what i've said today if you're going to stay saved and sane and find eternal security with christ you'd better get a hold of these pillars and today the apostolic doctrine. You better get a hold of the reality that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. You better take a fresh look at his death burial and resurrection. You must accept his work by repentance. and tired change and to serve him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and willingly be baptized and take his name in baptism if you are going to stay safe and sane and saved this present world that we live you must decide to pursue holiness you must possess and practice the gifts of the Spirit you need to look for the Lord's imminent and soon return and most of all it's your responsibility to preach somebody say preach close your eyes and say God made me a preacher somebody close your eyes and say God made me a preacher You'll never stand in a pulpit, sir. You'll never stand in a pulpit, ma'am. But God made you a preacher. That means to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to rescue us from ourselves and from sin and to save us and all those who would accept his word. It is my job to not only preach as an apostolic Pentecostal and under the apostolic doctrine, but it is my job to teach. Close your eyes and say it. I'm a teacher. Say it. I'm a teacher. Say, I've never been to school to be a teacher, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. You've raised children, haven't you? You raised kids. You're a teacher. Dad, you're a disciple maker. Boy, don't do that. Boy, don't play with that. Girl, you better put that up. Mama, you are a disciple maker. They walk like you, they talk like you, they act like you. You know how to disciple somebody. I have a reasonable responsibility to be a preacher. You and I have a reasonable responsibility to be a disciple maker, a teacher. And you have the responsibility to lead someone to baptism. Baptism in the water and the Holy Ghost. We're going to talk more about it on Wednesday night, but lest you would miss, let me tell you, before this year's over, somebody hear me, eyes closed and mind on God. Somebody in the sound of my voice, you hear me. You never had credentials to be a minister in your wallet or your purse. Never stood in a pulpit, but you hear me. Honey, I oh want shut up before this year's over you're going to baptize somebody in the name of jesus christ i'm not telling you to do it i'm prophesying that you will do it somebody in this place will not even bother to call the pastor you'll just tell him after you did it pastor i I heard that sermon and you said it's our responsibility to teach and to preach and to baptize Uh, and and i remember that and i didn't know how to do it but i i remember how i saw you do it or somebody else do it and I, I put them down in the swimming pool or I put them down in the, in the, in the, in the tub and, and I said, I now baptize you for the remission of your sins in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, it's our responsibility as apostolic Pentecostals to move baptism beyond the building. Oh, y'all don't want to shut down. Oh, lift your hands right now and just tell God your heart's desire. If you want to lead somebody to Christ, would you just tell him that right now? I don't know how to do it, but God, you said I shouldn't even worry about it. Just get the desire to do it, and you'll teach me. That's it. Teach me, Lord. That's it, sister. Say it. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Teach me, Lord. <laughs> The Holy Ghost move in this house. Echo the words of Jeremiah one more time this morning. Stand ye in the way and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your soul. Right now in this house, would you just accept that? I want to find rest. I want to find those old ways. I don't need anything new. I just want to understand better the apostolic doctrine.